Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. DB peeps, are we ready for another round of book club? Sarah, I think we have, this is part four now, isn't it? Uh, it is. I'm like loving that we kept this going. I know. Although we were a little short on books this time, but I mean, there's been a lot going on. There's been a lot going on. It's totally fine. And you just got to like fit it in a little bit and, you know, take your mind off things for a little bit. So for sure. Yeah. So this episode, we are going to each be talking about two books and Sarah is going to be popping a 2016 Folly of the Beast Pinot Noir from California. It is. Yeah, it's actually Wink Wines. If you remember, we talked about Wink Wines a while back. They're like a membership club Mm -hmm. um, and they make certain wines and they basically tailor your tastes. You fill out a survey, they tailor your taste to to certain wines that they have. So, But isn't Wink a little bit different where you could essentially just go online and like choose your own? You can too, yes. Yeah. You can yeah. do that as well. Yeah. And they have they have some varied prices, if I remember correctly. I remember we got summer water from them, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Good. They have certain wines that are on the, you know, more economic side, and then they have more luxury brand wines. Economic um, side. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this one, this is this from Central Coast, California. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and open it. Um, it's uh, a, about a $20 bottle of wine. It's 100% Pinot. It is 13.9% ABV, so that's pretty typical for a Pinot Noir. Yeah. Um, And it's aged in 33% new French oak for 12 months. Nice. So here I go. Popping. And Jamie, do you recognize Folly of the Beast from any literary sources? Well, so this is the lovely connection. Yeah. It's Moby Dick, isn't it? It is. It is. It's Moby Dick. And they actually have a quote from Moby Dick on the back of the bottle. What does it say? For there is no folly of the beast of the earth, which is not infinitely outdone by the madness of men. Oh, um, can I admit something? Yeah. You never read Moby Dick? (laughs) No. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Don't worry. Oh my God, you make me feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I never had to read it in school. And me either. But I thought that was like a requirement. I guess not. I, not we made I it know. through. We made it through. Hey, we are uh, integral members of society, adults, <laughs> and we did not read Movie Dick. So, okay. I'm going to go ahead and cheers. Lovely. Cheers to Herman Melville. Yeah. The author of Moby Dick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. It smells like a Pinot should. A lot of fresh cherry. It looks really dark. It's actually not as dark as it probably looks on our... Um, oh, okay. I can see a here. little bit more, but it looks purpley. It does look like I would expect a Pinot to look kind of on that medium medium bodied look side. And it's also like you can kind of see through it. Okay. Um, Color wise, so, like what are you, what would you equate it to? Oh, most? like, like Ruby. Ruby mm. Jewel. Nice. Rubies. Yeah. So it's very cherry. Very cherry. A lot of acid in this. Okay. I do get some of the oak. It's thinner. It's not a heavy wine, which again, Pinot shouldn't Pinot shouldn't be. be super heavy. No. No. I guess I get a lot of like bright fruit on the beginning and then it's a little bit sour at the end. 
Oh my God. The way you're describing it, it makes me think like Beaujolais immediately. It, it kind of has that. Yeah. Cherry, acid. Yeah. Great fruit, me, but You know your sour. wines. You I know mean, your wines. That's, wow. Okay. But I would say Beaujolais has a little more depth to it. Not Nouveau. Regular Beaujolais has a little more. A crew. Char- a little more character. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is, this is a little lighter than that. Okay. All right. Well, I'll keep sipping on this as we Please kind do. of go through our books. Yeah. This wine, I mentioned it's California. It's Central Coast, California. Yeah. And Central Coast, I don't know why, in like my mind, I have the hardest time always picturing what is considered Central Coast of California. And it actually is from like San Francisco south to Santa Barbara. It's all along there. And so, and it has like a slight inland section called San Benito, but Mm -hmm. everything else is pretty much directly along the coast. So you get, especially when you're further north, the north central coast, no, uh, but like near San Francisco Bay, you get more of the fog that comes in, which is, and then in the afternoon, it kind of rolls out as the sun kind of warms everything up. And that is what really creates a good Pinot Noir. So this, I think, is a really prime location for Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, but, of course, we, this just is just Central Coast, so we don't quite know exactly where it's from. It could be from warmer Paso Robles. It could be from warmer San Luis Obispo. Yeah, they're not going to tell us. They're not going to tell us. It's a secret. It's a secret. It's funny because I was just reading too, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, uh, they're fantastic from the Central Coast, especially these Northern areas. Paso Robles is more where you're going to find like really good like Syrah and other Rhone style or GSM blends and things like that. So I think you're in for a treat. They do, I'm looking at another book here that does describe it as bold and fruit forward examples of Pinot Noir, but it sounds like from what you described, it's not super, super bold and heavy. Although I know that we've had like some heavier Pinot Noirs from California. Yeah, we have. But that most of the, or some of the producers now are actually starting to gravitate more towards that like French style, something that's like a little bit more elegant, Mm -hmm. a little bit more Burgundian in terms of like the forest floor and things like that. That's what Oregon does. Yep. So a little bit of like evolution here. And I think that's kind of speaking to the consumer's palate changes. So exciting to see these changes going on. I like it. I prefer Pinot that way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep drinking this folly of the beast and, you know, trying to, uh, to channel my literary being. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have you start yeah. by talking about your sure. first book. So we have two books each yeah. this time. Um, and my first book is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. What does green lights mean? Like green lights as you're driving? Yes. So according to Matthew McConaughey, basically green lights are in life, you have certain obstacles, right? Mm -hmm. And those are red lights. And then there's sometimes times where things could be rough, but you know, you work through them. That could be a yellow light. Green lights are when like everything's looking good and you take advantage of the opportunity and you just keep going. Okay. That's his definitions. And so that's why he called it green lights. It's basically, he's talking about his life. And so I chose this book. I like Matthew McConaughey. I know he's kind of a polarizing person. I feel like <laughs> all people, right, all right, all right. yeah, I feel like people are either for him or not. I think he's, I think he's cool. You know, I was pretty interested and I don't usually read these celebrity books, but I was interested to hear what he had to say. Now, 
the cool thing about this book is that a lot of his writing is from a he kept a journal since he was like I think 18 or something oh my god really yeah or 16 even younger than that and a lot of the book is like even excerpts from his journal like before he was even famous oh my gosh so that's um, quite the treat yeah so it's kind of like an in-depth look into like his life how he got where he is and where he's now and you know basically the challenges so so the state of successes he calls catching green lights oh okay he actually wrote this book in the desert um and Wait, what do you mean like he just like went out to the desert for a while and hung out yeah. and wrote it yeah by himself i think so yeah. like he doesn't live there no 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 mm -mm. oh all right yeah a little but, seclusion cool yeah he talks about just life his parents his family what he thinks makes a good man how to have fun how he felt when he got famous just like all sorts of things so and a lot just about life i mean he i think he still has a good grasp on reality even given his fame and then what it means to him to be a father because that's like his biggest thing I mean, we are talking about someone who was like notorious for being the bachelor, right? Mm -hmm. It's like him and George Clooney. Like no one ever expected the two of them to kind of settle down mm. and have kids. I just feel I like way know. back when. Before I feel he like, and yeah, but I feel like with him, he always wanted to have kids and he did settle down a lot younger than George Clooney did. George oh, Clooney, I felt like was just the eternal <laughs> bachelor. Like the fact that he even settled down and now has kids was like, everybody was just like, whoa, you know. It's like, excuse me? What? Yeah. So I don't know if I put him in the same category, but he definitely had that like boyish Well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just like thing. the persona because he, yeah. like all of the characters that he played, like in the romantic comedies, you just kind of equate him to this forever bachelor who doesn't want to fall in love, but you know, like definitely does like way deep down. Yeah. So, and so I, mean, I guess it's kind of fun. And it's cool because he does talk about like his life during those movies and like how he chose them and what, how that impacted him. And like, it didn't challenge him for character development and things like that. And then, you know, he lost all that weight for Dal Dallas Buyers Club. And he talks about that too. Anyways, I would recommend it. I mean, even if you're not a huge fan of his, I think he has a great outlook on life. I will say though, the first like two pages, I was like, Oh, I'm not sure about this. Re really? Yeah. And then I was like, let me keep reading. And it was well, good. Yeah. I was just going to ask, like, is he particularly relatable in it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, besides I the part that he, like, gets famous and is in movies. Yeah. I mean, he talks about, like, his life in college. He did study abroad in Australia. He talks about Ooh. that. Like, all this stuff. Yeah. I was just curious because, you know, sometimes like with these autobiographies and memoirs and things like that, many of us want to glimpse into the lives of these, you know, actors, actresses, you know, celebrities, you know, to kind of see like peer back behind the curtains and see what's yeah. actually going on. But oftentimes I think it's still like a tale that is not totally relatable because they're sort of in this different, you know, this different like facet in life and a different path in life. Not to say anyone is worse or better, but it's a little unrelatable, but still interesting. So I just wondered if he tended to write in a way that people could, you know, kind of connect with. So it sounds like that. So cool. I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. And he talks about that. Stop it's it. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I kind of want so, you to like spill the beans on that, but yeah, no, it's you don't it's, have he to. Describes how that happened and like just the whole like scene and everything. It's cool. So what what was that? What was the movie that that was in first? Dazed and Confused. That's right. I wanted. I was like, it's not Fast Times or Ridgemont High. I know he's not in that, but it's one of those movies from back then. And that was but, like his like one one of his like first. Oh, uh huh. Yeah, I think there's a funny story about how. He got that part or something like that. Yeah. Um, All right. What's your book? All right. So I decided I was going to do one wine-related book Okay. this one. And so this one is called Wine Reads, a literary anthology of wine writing. It's not actually written by anybody, in per- like any one person. It's edited by this guy, Jay McInerney, and he's a okay. novelist okay. and a wine writer. And Uh essentially it's like a compilation of, I think it's 27 pieces of literature that are about specifically, or that mention wine in some form or fashion. Uh Some of these are more technical, some are more historical and some are more fictional in nature. And so there's, there's quite a variety of little stories that are wrapped up into this book. Uh, One of my best friends gave this to me for Christmas last year because she knows like how much I love wine. (laughs) And so thought it would be like super interesting. And I will say that, I mean, it is interesting. It has definitely opened my eyes to like some of the other authors about wine. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we, Sarah, you and I talk about like wine books all the time and, you know, we list up, you know, we often refer to Jancis Robinson who is included in here, but there are a lot of other people who have written about wine, like Jim Harrison. I know we've talked about um, potentially doing an episode with Jim Harrison's A Very Big Lunch. Mm-hmm. Rex Pickett, who does Sideways, who wrote Sideways. Yep. Yep. Um, and then you'd never you'd never guess, but Rald Dahl. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wait, this kind of is ringing a bell, maybe. Yeah. So Rald Dahl, actually, it's the first one that's in this book. I think Rald Dahl, I think children's books, right? Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised to see that. Um, I think it's it's an interesting book for sure. I think that what has been a little challenging about it is that, like I said, it kind of has all different perspectives and different like level of involvement of wine as as far as like wine's feature within the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was a little bit, and this sounds stupid, but like is a little bit hard for me to follow because it didn't have like a really good flow. I almost wish that it had been like categorized and like sectioned off. These are like all about historical or factual pieces about wine. So like mm-hmm. there was one that's all about the Mandavis. Oh, okay. How that came to be and how Robert Mandavi split off from his family's uh, winery. And it's kind of incredible. But then there's like some other ones like the sideways one where it's it's fictional. And even though it's kind of based on real life of Rex, but, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's more – it's supposed to be more entertaining, I think. Okay. I just kind of wish that it were bucketed into these different categories or sections of the book because to me it just was a lot of like switching back and forth and – I don't want to say I lost interest, but it made it more difficult to kind of get into a pattern or get into a flow and like really sit down and enjoy it at one point in time. I get that. It was almost like, I think I've, t- I've mentioned this to you before, like the time traveler's wife where they're flipping yeah. from like time period to time period, yes. and but you don't actually know the year. And so you don't actually know like if you're in the future, like in the later years or in the early right. years or whatever, 
And I, I couldn't finish that book because I was just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have the chronology here. I don't like this. It, it's not to that level. Um, cause obviously this is more like literature and writing about a specific topic, but that did make it challenging. So I will mention like one of my favorite excerpts is this from Cork Dork, which we read and we talked about in episode 15 and that's from Bianca Bosker. And she was writing, I think for the Huffington post and decided that she just wanted to see if she could become a Psalm. Yeah. I and it was, this. Yeah. I mean, it, and she like took off a year to see what she could accomplish. Yeah. So there's an excerpt from her book and I like, I really like the story. I like the excerpt specifically that's included in here. Um, it's not my absolute favorite from the book, but it is like still very entertaining and very interesting uh -huh. about how people can like get into wine overall. I mean, again, I'd say that this is really meant to be for someone who likes a lot of different wine writing and is not fully expecting like an educational material or like a tutorial or something like that. It really is one of those where you probably just like sit down and read one at a time. And so then maybe, maybe, progress. yeah, maybe just a little too many things at once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I wonder if it was organized a little bit differently, if it would have, if I would have changed my initial thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. but you know, this is good writing. Some of it was like writing that I'm just styles that I'm just not used to. I don't know if I've been reading too many chick lit books or something like that, but, <laughs> but in all honesty, I mean, some very cool things like talking about Chateau Dechem and it's, it's really amazing. Some of the insights that they have. And so I, I, I'm glad that I read it, but again, it is one of those things that I think my friend picked this out because she knew I loved wine and loved to read about it. I think that that is the perfect audience for it. But again, maybe also for those who aren't expecting that more educational component um, included in their wine lit. And I couldn't drink along while I was reading it. So yeah, that really kind of sucked. A bummer. But, you know, because it would be exciting to try to drink what they were drinking or something like that, yeah. or what they were talking about. Not that I can afford half the bottles that are mentioned in here, but you know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's it. I've got a couple wine books on my list, so we'll have to maybe revisit one next time. Oh, yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. For now, my next book here is An Incomplete Education by Judy Jones and William Wilson. Wow, that's some alliteration. Judy Jones. Yeah. William Wilson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really choose this book. Um, Adam suggested it as something we could read together. So we actually got two copies so that we could like read at the same time. How did that work? Um, it, it, we only did it like once or twice. Okay. Um, but that being said, I have to be honest and say, I haven't finished this book, but it's not really that kind of book where you sit down and read it cover to cover. The, the, I have to say it really, the preface and the intro really surprised me. It was hilarious. Really? Uh, and I wouldn't expect that. Um, but basically what it is, is 3,684 things you should have learned, but you probably didn't. Wait, that sounds so interesting. Yeah. And so like, there's all these things, like, I don't know about you, but I didn't really pay attention in school to like history and stuff like that. Like, mm. I have no idea, like half the shit that happened. I'm severely like, lacking. <laughs> severely. So for me, I'm like, you know, all your brain power, like I studied really one thing, like all my brain power kind of went to my 
you know, to pharmacy and like, I didn't well, really. Also, yeah. I mean, think about the fact that when you're learning this in grade school or high school or whatever, like you retain it for a certain period of time, but at some point, as Sean always says, like you can only fit so many penguins on the That's iceberg of your brain. And so eventually, and not penguins for you, let's do seals for you. Yeah, say, the please. seals need to like, you know, slip off into the water uh, so that new ones can go in, go right. there. Right. But I'm, yeah. I still don't think I did pay attention in school anyways to this. <laughs> Regardless, but there's a lot. <laughs> so this is actually this, I think the second edition, it was first in 1987 and it became an instant classic and then they updated it uh, and they have, they have this one. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the third edition. Oh, actually. Yeah. Are they, yeah. so are they small, like little excerpts as well? Yeah. So they have like chapters, right? Yeah. And you can like, you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to read it cover to cover or chronologically. You can just kind of choose what chapter you are in. So like they have American studies, art history, economics, film, literature, music, philosophy, political oh. science, psychology, religion, science, world history. So it's really just like high school. Okay. But then you like go to this chapter and they're like, okay, this is what you really need to know. And like, here's like, 10 years of school in like two paragraphs. And this is like really the important. Oh my stuff. God. I feel like I need that in my life. <laughs> and also it's like, you didn't learn this in school, but this is really important. You know, like you should know this about philosophy. Like why is everyone talking about like this philosopher, you know, oh or like, goodness. okay. Or like, Oh, here, like classical music, who are the main people? And what's their, like, there's a paragraph on Bach. There's a paragraph on Mozart, Beethoven, so like you kind of learn a little bit about that. So that's just an example. Or like econ, like explains the stock market in a few pages and stuff like that. Wow. Do they so, explain house buying? They probably do somewhere <laughs> in here. You know, and then they have American studies. They have like Malcolm X and like, you know, all these other people. William, Carlos Williams. Yeah, I don't know who that is. But so, we should apparently. And then it's things like what's the difference between fission and fusion? Or like deduction and induction. Oh God, like, things like that. Like where you're like, uh, I mean, I guess I kind of should know that, but I don't know. Or like, what is that? An actual Renaissance man, Renaissance woman? Like, what does that actually mean? What does that mean? Yeah. So it's is it a big book? You said it's like uh, three thousand yeah. some odd things. Oh yeah, so that's sizable. It's sizable. So again, that's why I haven't finished it because it's not like. Again, I'm not reading it cover to cover. We just kind of like chose certain things to start reading. Yeah. But yeah, it's very interesting. It's unique, interesting. And I think it's nice because you, it is the kind of book you can read piecemeal. But like, you know how you were saying like, there's b books you, you don't want to read piecemeal. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm like, I hate that. But this is the kind of book that you can and, it, it, and you can like read, you know, a chapter of it and put it down yeah. and come back like months later and it's okay, you know? Yeah. So, see, that's what I think is so interesting. Be and I, I like the way that you said it's set up so that you can, you know, if you're just like, I just feel like there's a lot of art shit that I just don't know. Yeah. You can just sit there and read through a handful of things and be like, okay, I feel a little bit more up to speed. This is good. Yeah. 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 This would be really good for like trivia. Like, I feel like there's a lot of good stuff in here, like that you would have in the trivia game. So basically, Sarah's going to host trivia. <laughs> She's going to put together all of the questions yeah. based on that. On the book, yep. yeah. 
Yep. So yeah. And it's one of those that it's definitely worth having the hardcover. Okay. What is your next and final book? I could not not read a parenting book. Oh yeah. You had to. Sorry. So I got this book as a gift, another gift. Uh, Both of my books were gifts from friends. This was a gift from a friend who recently had a baby back in May. And she sent this to me and said that she found it extremely helpful because it was written in a way that was more like consumable than parenting books. Cause I mean, you look at like, even like the, what to expect when you're expecting, you know, and it's, it's ginormous. There's a lot of information in there. And sometimes it's like, it's not like it's terrible to have that information, but sometimes there's a lot of fluff going on. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my friend Nina gave me this book. It is called mom's on call. Basic baby care for zero to six months. And it is written by two nurses and they actually have an LLC called Moms on Call. Honestly, it's kind of amazing. Like when I say basic care, it actually means like basic care. Like it covers how to's in terms of describing when you're bathing your baby, they actually tell you like with your thumb and forefinger, wrap it around your baby's leg and cradle the baby's head with, with your left hand or whatever or something they tell you exactly how to hold to care to wash like everything so this is basically like the instructions that it's the manual it's the manual that they say you can't have a manual but you do (laughs) but i do it really is kind of incredible thing freaks me out too so the what the bath yeah well you think about how slippery they are (laughs) How slippery slippery and little these babies are. And you're just like, Bleh. It's like, ah, bathtub, baby, water. That seems like awful. <laughs> Bad situation. Sarah's going to be like dabbing her baby with the I think I feel like sponge, sponge bath the baby. Yeah. Well, and you can. And there are, there are different things that you can buy, like different like tubs or what, special tubs or whatever. Yes. Of but course. yeah. But so, yeah. I mean, you don't just put the newborn in the, in the, in the tub, tub. In the big ass tub and be like, you can float, right? No, no, do not do that. No. PSA, do not do that. Oh yeah. Like, I hope no one actually thinks that's real. Do not do that. Again, the way that this is written is extremely clear. It takes out the fluff and because parents do not have time to sift through the extraneous text. No, they so, don't. No. And so this covers like basic hygiene, baby bodily functions, illnesses, feeding, napping, sleeping, oh. schedules. Oh. Everybody thinks that like babies can't be on routines, but guess what? Babies can be on routines. In fact, it probably does them better to start to get on routines at some uh-huh. point. So uh-huh. um, they also include like shopping lists and things like in like emergency cares or like what should be in your diaper bag at a minimum. Oh, that's like, good. It's it's so stupid how simplistic some of this seems, but at the same time it's incredibly helpful because again, it's the details that you need when you need them. And that's so, and and then maybe if you have a question while you have the baby with you, you can be like, "Oh, let me consult my manual." Yeah, well, and the other thing too is that they provide a bunch of resources as well. Oh, so nice. like like phone numbers who you need to call like poison control. Although maybe we should have those on speed dial or something like already entered into our cell phones. But still, I'm thankful that she got this book for me. Again, it's I mean, I've been around babies um with like my nieces and and nephews and stuff like that, but this is just like it's a different element when you are like the actual parent. Well, yeah, it's a lot different when you're the one responsible for keeping them alive 24/7. Exactly. And like doing all of the things. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. I mean, this is like, it tells you what to do. Like if they start to get a fever and like when to monitor it and like for how long and what to do if it escalates, you know, mm-hmm. for above certain temperatures or what, whatever. And I think it really, I just think it's very helpful. Um, it's really, I mean, it's a tiny book. Like you can, Sarah can see it's a, yeah. it's a very short book. That seems very manageable. It's very manageable. And I do think this consolidates a lot of like super vital information into a succinct manner and that new parents, this is like how they want it. Mm-hmm. This is how they want the info. And so I think that this is actually a really good book. And I was not offended when she sent this to me. And I would hope that other people would not be either. And so oh, no. I would almost say like, by all means, if you're getting a gift for somebody who's having a baby, maybe this is a good little Especially purchase. Especially for the first time. Yeah. 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 I thought it was really kind of wonderful. And so, you know, that like kind of sits like on my desk or like on the nightstand or whatever. I'm pretty sure that will continue to be there for the next eight months probably. And yeah, I, I, I think this was a good a good gift, a good buy, good baby book. I like it. We went from wine to babies. I know. Although I didn't see anything in there about drinking. Just kidding. <laughs> well, there's ways around that, I hear. There's ways around that. Pretty short and sweet this episode, I think. It's okay. Sometimes our... sometimes you need that, just like your book. Exactly. So, you have to do uh, what life will, life will let you do. Exactly. I guess I'll go back to this wine here. The folly. It is light, like how I like Pinot in that style. It might be a little too acidic for me, though. Like, there's might be a little too, it might be a little too like soury or acidic mm-hmm. at the end for my taste, at least. Yeah. Um, it might also just need some food to eat with it. So, I mean, I'm not eating anything right now. So, that could be uh, another uh, option. Yeah. To, you know, I could definitely try pairing this with some cheese and stuff like that. So, I mean, in terms of like, do you, do you normally, you normally are, don't gravitate towards California Pinots either? No, just because they're not usually the Burgundian style. Right. They're usually that heavier, you know, more concentrated Pinot that I'm not into. Again, I don't think this is that. It does seem like it has more of that lighter bodied style. They're yeah. calling it dry, medium bodied. I just, yeah, it's, it's kind of got a... A little bit of a sour taste for me at the end. Maybe it's just like a little acidic, or I don't know. You do need need a little food to kind of cut. Yeah, I was gonna say I do think so. Um, And it says that it pairs nicely with pork, poultry, and cheeses. Okay. So I mean, maybe I just need to like go have some pork, poultry, and cheese. (laughs) Seems like a very weird. I think that is a kind of not all together. They definitely don't. No, it's not like a turducken or something. Yeah. Oh God. A porkin? Oh. Pork and chicken? Baby. So <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. Let's not invent well, new animals. No, let's not. But um yeah, well, I can't wait to uh keep reading. I have my Kindle paper right now, so I will be reading off that. Yay. Um, so hopefully I'll have a few more good finds for our next book club as we move forward in 2021. Yeah, for part five, we'll do some more. And maybe we'll hopefully we'll go be able to go back to our three, our three books. Yeah, yeah, we'll get ambitious. 
Oh my God, we need a plan, Sarah. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Shit. Uh, Uh, No, anyway. Um, All right, cool. Well, thanks for sharing your two. I'm actually like very intrigued by this one, um, an incomplete education. I need to look a little bit further into that because I think that could be a fun little thing. And then, yeah, maybe trivia. (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. We could do trivia. We could do a trivia episode. Oh, oh my God. That would be kind of fun. The ideas are churning. I know. Oh, what, what evening recordings do to us. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks for joining. Thanks for, for sharing the folly of the beast with us, Sarah. Until next time. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.